Okay, I need to get through a, a little bit of stuff. Not too long this morning. We've had such a great... Um, we're celebrating opportunity. Say opportunity. We're celebrating opportunity. Let me take you through a couple of little things. This morning, um, uh, it's going to be good for everyone because I believe if you connect to God's vision, what He's doing around your life, through your church, I believe that people should be planted in the church. That that God said, I will build my church and I believe it's God's purpose that we come together every week, every Sunday and be family and celebrate and enjoy life and then go out again and do great stuff for God and come back again, reorganize and do it all again and do great stuff. That's what church is about. But church is about celebrating Jesus but, but by you being blessed, healed, set free, empowered, and that's what the opportunity of what church is all about. Now, Judges 14, verse 4, there might be some words coming up behind me. I'm going to have to crunch some stuff. Okay. Can you send the keyboardists up about 20 pass, uh, some music at 20 pass? Uh, Judges 14, you need a pen and pencil. You're going to have to take it down. I'm going to start the motor mouth now. I'll take my jacket off, and um, I'm going to get some good stuff through, man. This is going to be great. It's going to help some people. Some people that have given up on life. Some people that are not just floundering in life. Some people are doing half well, but they're still not sure what they're looking for. Still haven't found what they're looking for. You started a spiritual journey. You started, but now you found yourself floundering in the wilderness. Some people go round the mountain, round the mountain, round the mountain. Some people are doing all right, but they're not quite sure of where they're at in their spiritual journey. I want to help you this morning. This is a story about Samson, and, and Samson wants this woman, and, and it's not the right woman, but God's going to turn it around. I haven't got time to go into the full explanation of the story, but I want to uh, just point out a couple of things here. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord. So his parents now have been involved to set up this woman to meet Samson, but his parents go and say, that's not the woman for you, that's a Philistine woman, but God says, hang on, I'm going to use that. So are you with me on, with me on that? So Judges 14 for Samson. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion, it would say in your NIV. It would say in some other versions, opportunity. So he's seeking, God is seeking opportunity. Say opportunity. To confront. Here's another version. For God to move. Say for God to move. The Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. So we've got some nonsense happening of Philistines lording it over, causing a lot of wear and tear to God's people. And God says, hang on, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to use this for opportunity for me to move. And Samson, he's a brilliant guy. Study this guy, young man. He's awesome. He's fully, fully committed to God as a Nazarite. He grows his hair, and as he does, consecrate himself to God. He is empowered awesomely, uh, physically, to even, he even overcomes a thousand Philistines in one go with the jawbone of an ass. Great story, I love it. In verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. That means for God to move. So he's in a situation, but all of a sudden, God anoints him. And God then has opportunity to move against the Philistines and the army is overpowered. The two words I want to, the two statements I want to get out in that is opportunity, number one, and God to move. 
Now, there's people in these scenarios. Jeremiah 40, 46, verse 17, talking about opportunity. People that allow opportunity to happen. People that see opportunity go, buy them. And like some people didn't even know we had a women's conference. Some people that attend to our church go, hang on, I didn't know about that. Some people make stuff happen. Some people just see stuff happen. And some people say, what happened? Some people make stuff happen. Some people see stuff happen. And some people go, what happened? Yeah, come on. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord, now I've said that, Jeremiah 46, verse 17, he has missed his opportunity. Philippians 4.10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. This is Paul. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So we're talking about people who have no opportunity. Firstly, we're talking about people who miss their opportunity. That We're talking about people who had no opportunity. Now 2 Corinthians 5.12, giving you opportunity. Now we're talking about there was an opportunity made for you to come to the women's conference and make it rock for people to be saved, people to be blessed, and it was great. You were given opportunity. 2 Corinthians 11.12 says, who want an opportunity. Some people don't want an opportunity. Some people do. Who wants opportunity? Who wants opportunity for a job, better job? Who wants an opportunity for a check in the mail this Monday coming? You go to the letterbox and there's a hundred grand there. You're a rich auntie in Scotland, sold her, sold her, her, her castle and, and, and you're just one of the you know, long lineage of uh, uh, heirs to the, to the throne or to the, the, to the inheritance. And praise God, I have dreams like that all the time. Because I come from England, Wales. I think they've sold all the castles in, in Wales. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, you have opportunity this morning. We have opportunity right now. We've had opportunity this week to reconstruct this building and to put on a, an amazing women's conference, and it was great. Therefore, as we have opportunity to give this morning, you had opportunity to give this morning. Some people said, just goes by but some of you are prepared for the opportunity. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do God good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Ephesians 5.16 says, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Man, you'll find with this C3 Tugra Church, we wring out all the juice of every meeting. We don't want you just sitting here, just, you know when you've watched a movie and you know, go, oh, I could have dealt with, done without that, you know, uh, I'll even walk out on a movie. You know, sometimes the girls get this movie girl who moves out, and, and I try and watch the dog movie with the broken nose guy. You know, because I like the broken nose guy. And I, Harley, you see, you said you were crying about that, Chris. I, I couldn't sympathise with you at all. I, I don't like dog movies for some reason. They just turn me off for some. Don't like dogs. Uh, I love dogs. I've got two dogs, but I don't like dog movies. Although I used to like Lassie anyway. I will concede that. I used to like Lassie. But I tried to watch that movie. I said, look, this is a waste of my time. I can't even bear this. I want to be with family. I want to enjoy it. I want to laugh with you, cry with you. I, I just can't. Sorry, guys. And so I just bailed out. It's horrible. You have to bail out and they feel your presence. You know, People want your presence around them. and Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is in Ephesians 5.16. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Colossians 4, 5 is another scripture about opportunity. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You like that one? 
opportunity. You, you may be entertaining angels. You may be entertaining angels. You may be entertaining someone who's coming into this house and they feel your love and they get saved because they felt your love. You might have frowned at someone and given them, self, given them some attitude and, oh, and then you, of course, stop them uh, encountering the living God. Rise and Build is about giving you opportunity for God to move through His building, His church. Haggai 1.8, I need to go through this a little bit methodically. There's only a couple of pages here, but it's going to bring me to a point where I think it's going to be fantastic. One Chronicles in terms of rise and build. Well, let's talk about Haggai 1.8. It says, go up to the mountains and bring down timber, bring down prayer, bring down faith. Go up to the mountain is now talking about us going up to the mountain of the Lord, looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do for my life, for my church, for my world? What do you want me to do? You bring that down and you bring it into the house of God. You bring it to your family. You bring it to your sons and daughters and you build. And so that's what this scripture is about. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber. Some of you guys need to do that. Fathers and, and mothers, go up and, and just get with God and work out what you're to do with your life and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. God had pleasure in the house of God this weekend. Amen? God, God took pleasure. He says, man, I love this stuff. C3 Tuggery, you just did brilliantly. You put on such a great conference. I take, God says, I take pleasure in that. 1 Chronicles 22 verse 18. Now set your heart because it's a heart thing. We're encouraging you right now to your heart. We're encouraging your heart. See with vision what we're talking about. We're talking about souls. People being changed, set free. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore, arise and build. Say arise and build. The sanctuary of the Lord, the church, your local church, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord. What's that? That is the presence. That is bringing the presence into my house and the holy articles of God. Bring in the tithes and offerings. Bring in your worship. Bring in your prayer. Bring in your praise into the house that it may be built for the name of the Lord. Love that. This talks about, and we said that. Now, this is a quote from, why are we building a church? Why are we building this facility? This is what I can tell you. This was a, a statement made by Pastor Phil Pringle last year. He says, we are building a house where God will be found by thousands of people. This is like a prophetic declaration he's making. Why are we building the church? Why are young people coming and giving their time, their talent, their treasure to the house? En masse, probably the biggest givers in the church right now is the under 25s who are filling the house and giving willingly, sacrificially to the house. And it's probably people older that are struggling. Oh, can the house really do all that it said that God can do? And you said you can, that will happen. And I'm not quite confident because if you're not confident in what God will do, you won't give to it. But young people are absolutely passionate that their house of God can rock for God. They're absolutely passionate for it. And that's the difference that we're seeing. And Pastor Phil says this, we are building a house where God will be found by thousands of people seeking God. Australia is moving ever closer to a national revival of unprecedented proportions. This revival will be in the house of God and it will flow out from the house of God. Ezekiel's river of life will be evident everywhere because the temple will be filled with the glory, with the Holy Spirit and the sounds of rushing mighty winds. That's why we're building the church 
And the Bible says in Isaiah that the house is going to be like a mountain. And all the other mountains, the mountains of fame, the mountain of the music industry, the Hollywood, and, and this and that, and all these other uh, sports idols, and this idol, that idol, they're going to bow their knee, those mountains. And then there's going to be this mountain of the Lord. And the Bible says that kings and those in authority, and Mr. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say his name. I got one of the. I was going to mention your president's name, Mr. Bibisham, or whatever his name is. Uh, you know, he's going to bow his knee. He wants to take out Israel, I know, but he's going to bow his knee. And every king and every governor on the planet is going to bow. Now, I shouldn't have said that. Is that political? Sorry, take that back. <laughs> it's about vision. God is powerfully at work through his church to save, to heal, to reconcile a lost world to himself. Right now, we're seeing people saved en masse like never before. It's supernatural. It's powerful. And if you can see it, it compels you to give your time to it. It compels you to give your money to it. It compels you to bake cookies and cakes and all the stuff Rosette you made. I'm compelled. Your husband's one. Why are you doing this stuff? I'm compelled with vision. I'm compelled to see people saved. I'm compelled to see people blessed of God. What? Through a cookie? Ray, Ray makes cookies. He bakes and bakes. And, and someone might say to one of his locker mates, what are you doing that for, Ray? I'm compelled to do this for the house of God, because God will take pleasure in it. I'm giving opportunity for people to be blessed through the hospitality of cooking, amen? So it's not all about religious stuff. It's about you giving to the church your service. Praise God. It's not religion. If that's the result, Jesus died for nothing. But it's for His power to bless... I've got to quickly go through this. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, okay, here it is. Vision. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. No commitment. No vision. This is what happens when you lose your vision. Your money starts just going anywhere. Your health just goes to the pot. Uh, Your mind is anyone's. You're just dwelling on stuff that is just useless and idle and vain imaginations and Crazy stuff. And, and you lose your cutting edge, your definition for living. You lose that glean in your eye. You lose that stature as a man and woman of God because we're royalty, we're of the king's family, designed and, and, and purposed to live a most extraordinary life of influence. If you think um, Brad Pitt and what's her name, Big Lips, have got influence, I'm telling you... The church should have more influence than Brad Pitt, any of those people. Not because they've got... Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I'm being naughty, aren't I? There's no commitment, no unity, no discipline, no unity, no discipline, no motivation. Vision compels them to build, organize, and outwork God's plan and purposes. There is no greater source of hope and confidence than that of vision. And I'm going to screen through this last part. But where there is no vision, we are devastated, disbanded, disjointed, discouraged, disheveled, lost composure. We have no definition in being God's people and His church. It's like, who am I? Uh, made in the image of God. You kidding? Have you, looked at, uh, uh, have you looked at me? I looked at myself. No, but you should have definition for living. Vision parent, one great Bible teacher says, vision is the source and hope of life. 
The greatest gift ever given to mankind is not the gift of sight, seeing in the physical, but the gift of vision. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. So you've got to see the harvest. Vision is a, is a vision to see seven ladies saved through the women's conference. Vision is a heart thing. Vision is a heart thing. If you can see your church blessing people, you will give the whole shebang to him. If you can't see the house of God blessing people, you won't give nothing to him. There's no passion in that. You just come in loosely and you just come out loosely. You just, you just, but if you come in, man, to the house of God, my house rocks. Man, my house rocks. My house rocks. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. You come in with your poise. You come in with your, with your anointing. You come in with your confidence. You come in with your faith. You come in with your, 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 your mantle of praise. You come in with your garments of praise. You come in with robes of righteousness. You come in and you declare, Jesus, you rock. I'm here to rock this world for you. Vision is a source of hope of life. The greatest gift ever given to mankind is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. I'm going to have to pull up there. My time is gone. I've got some great stuff to say about this. Vision compels us. You'll discover your purpose through vision. Once you've lost your vision, once you've gone blind to vision, once you go blind, you're like Samson, man. You're just pushing around on the millstone, pushing around. You're lost. You got his eyes gouged out. He played up and, and he, he got tri- tripped up. He got his hair cut, lost his anointing. They gouged out his eyes. They gouged out his eyes. The strongest man, the judge, the prophet, this deliverer, he, he ended up and he, he ended up being blinded until he called out to God, said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for being blinded. And I went to a scripture in Revelations, and if, I don't know if you can go there, but there's a scripture in Revelations chapter 3, verse 18. And I got this, I got this just dropped into my spirit. And it's about the Laodicean church and it's Jesus speaking through John on the Isle of Patmos. John's old now. The Apostle John is old and Jesus is downloading to him the book of Revelations. It's the last book of the Bible. And Jesus mentions seven types of churches and this Laodicean church, it's the seventh church. It's neither hot nor cold. It's lukewarm. It's just lukewarm and it's just, just nice. I'm just nice to be in God. It's just nice. No, he spits you out of your mouth if you're just like that. He'd rather be you cold and needing CPR, needing revival and needing to be saved again. He'd rather you just go completely cold. He'd rather you go like a prodigal, just go way back out in the back paddocks of life, get called back again and then re-engage God. Or He just doesn't like passivity. And so it's a bit like this. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Now, whether you want to treat that gold as the Word of God, which is purified, it's, it's absolute. But the gold, too, is mentioned in the Bible about faith, that our faith is like gold that is perfected through enduring and persevering and building God's church and being a Christian, being a strong young man in God, persevering. See, because it's a journey, and as we go through the journey and the valleys and the crucible of life, we reach out to God and in, in that place where our strength is no more, our insufficiency is recognized and we feel that we can't go on. We look to God and then we say, God, forgive me. I realize now that I need you. 
I need you in my life. I need you in my world. And every time you do that, Julie said, you go through a cycle of faith and you'll do it until you die. And you'll do it until you die. You'll get to a place where you get another glimpse of God, another revelation of God, and then you'll go through another testing period, another season of things not working out. It doesn't make sense. What are you saying here, God? What's this about? This can't be true. I've done my devotions. I've read my Bible. I've given my tithe. I can't be in this place. But then he says, look to me again, son. Look to me. And as you look to God, then you get another revelation of God. So then you have a knowledge of God. Not just an experience of God, but you actually have a knowledge of God. And you just don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord, but you know He's Lord of your life. And the Lord brought me to this scripture, and I'm nearly done. Neither hot nor cold expect as they are indifferent to needful matters. Revelation 3.18 says, I counsel you to buy from me gold. Whether it's the word of God or faith, take your pick. So you can become rich. See, this society was rich. They used to manufacture this beautiful wool and people had wool garments and they had absolute black. There was black wool and white wool and Jesus is saying, that's good, you seem rich, you seem rich, but you are poor, you're poor, you're naked. You're pitifully poor and naked. Why? It says here, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. And he says, you're blinded, you can't see the need. Uh, in your in your own life you can't see the need in your people's lives around you you can't see the need that i that i have to to bless through my church and you know what there's people that are blinded and they need this oil this anointing to come back on their eyes they need the anointing to come back on their eyes to see souls to see the harvest to see the needs of people when they come through the door and be able to say friend man yeah i can see i can see with compassion I can see that you have needs I can see that you need God people that come to church and say I see that we need more people in the kitchen I see that we need more people to serve I see needs here because we go blind we choose to go blind to believe that everything is cool I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. I see people serving in their house, but I turn a blind eye to that. Someone will do it. I see there's a great need for finances, but I'm blind to that. Someone will give. I see that you're building a facility for the great last day's harvest. Someone will do it. I have no vision for it. I cannot see. Whether you're like Samson and have had your eyes gouged out, Somehow, through some spiritual battle, through disencouragement in life, through some trauma of life, and through disappointment in life. You've done a bunch of church already. I've heard all this before. I've been there. I've done that. I've given before. I've done this stuff. I've served in the church. I'll never serve again. I'll never give again. Well, I'm telling you this. You need a fresh anointing, fresh anointment, fresh anointing upon your eyes to open your eyes to see the harvest, to see your neighbor to see your street, to see this nation. You need a fresh anointing upon your eyes to see what God is doing right now. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? It's when your eyes are opened that you get vision. And with vision, we are compelled to persevere, to endure. Through, long, through, through suffering, through staying up all night, putting speakers up and coming out in the wee hours of the morning and 
fixing driveways up and trudging around in the mud, fixing our water feature up down the side of the building and, 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 you know, and coming out and serving the house and doing everything is because there's people that choose to open their eyes to the house. I open my eyes to prayer and I'll be here Tuesday night, Lord. I open my eyes to prayer. And Lord, take off the blinders. Take off, let the scales fall off my eyes like the Apostle, like the, uh, Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when the scales fell off his eyes. When Ananias laid hands on him, scales fell off his eyes and went, my God, he is the Lord. He is Jesus. This is the kingdom. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father, we want to build you a church. Help us see, Lord God. Give us eyes that see. The people of Laodicea continued on in a spiritual, lukewarm condition that apparently did not know it. The church at Laodicea was a low fever, half-sick church. So the Lord Jesus, through the Apostle John, says, I counsel you. The Laodicean church was no longer moved to meet human needs. The Laodicean church was no longer moved to meet human needs. They didn't care when a guy like Peter came through the door when he lost his wife. They didn't care about some guy who's not been able to find work. or They didn't care about the lady that testified up here about being damaged through the trauma of a marriage, abusive marriage. They didn't care about that. They couldn't see it. They had become lazy, laid back, and self-sufficient. They thought they had no need of nothing. But Jesus said, you are poor. You are so poor. Father, I pray that God, that you would open our blind eyes to the work of the ministry, to the work of the C3 Tugra Rise and Build, to serve this house, to give to God's house, to build God's house. Would you pray that with me right now? I'm done. Father, would you open my eyes right now? Would you put salve, ointment, let let, let me say, the anointing. Would you put the anointing on my spiritual eyes to see with vision? May I be defined by the vision I see of being included in the greatest last day's harvest of the church on fire, preaching the gospel, reconciling the lost people of the earth. Lord, anoint me now. Anoint my eyes to see, Lord. Your Bible says I perish. I dwell carelessly without vision. We go wild. We're ungovernable. Can't put people in teams. Can't put people in order. You can't get people to serve without vision. Father, I declare right now revival and an anointing to our eyes to see the harvest. Like you, Jesus, when you looked out over Jerusalem and you had compassion on that city. Lord, right now, open the eyes of every believer in this house and even unbeliever right now. And I declare right now this morning, people are seeing the harvest and people are, are becoming compelled with vision to serve the house, to serve God in all diligence with a worshipful heart, with a heart says, I care for the work that you have for me around my life. I care for the vision. I care for this church to give opportunity for souls to be saved. I care for my youth group to see more souls saved. I care, I care, I care. Jesus, if there be anyone in this house right now that just simply needs to connect with you to find vision, to find purpose, to find definition for living, I pray for them right now, Lord God, that their hearts would respond to you. If this is you, friend, 
If you've never started your journey in faith in Jesus, it's as simple as this. You're not joining a church. You're not becoming religious. You're simply becoming supernaturally connected to God. If that's you this morning, if you're in the house, somehow you felt God, experienced God, you, you can see the wisdom in it all, and God's drawing you, I want to pray for you right now. And when I say lift your hand, would you lift your hand? Maybe you've come to a bunch of church, but you're still not quite sure that you're saved. You might need to recommit your life to the vision of what God wants for your life. God wants to optimize you, anoint you, bless you, heal you, set you free. If that's you and you're in the house, you've been serving God lukewarmly. You've just been passive. You've just been chilling out on this planet, not serving God, not giving God your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. You've just been just not there really at all. Father God, I just pray for each and every one of us right now that we would make a heart a heart commitment to you right now to know you, to serve you, to love you, to seek you all the days of my life. Just say this, Jesus, I make a commitment right now to serve you, to seek you, to know you, to follow you all the days of my life for the vision that you have for me, for my life. Amen. If you need to know Jesus,